You're listening to Blue Drava episode 5, recorded Sunday the 31st of January 2016. Two birds with one stone. Welcome to Blue Drava. My name is Stephen Ward, and this is my little podcast about all sorts of things that I'm interested in. I've decided to kill two birds with one stone by doing the ironing at the same time. So, can you hear my clothes flapping around or the, the iron steaming? That's what that is. my New Year's resolution, which I talked about last episode. I've been working on a game. It's really a learning experience using the Love engine, Love 2D. I mentioned last episode that I'd like to make a game along the lines of Jet Set Willy and Manic Miner, the way that they did platforming in the early 80s on the Spectrum and other 8-bit machines. I did want to make like a whole new game, but I thought better work on an engine which could play any game of that type and you could feasibly remake the originals using the same engine. So I've called my project Territory, which is a pun play on words on the Megatree, which is uh, one of the runes featured in Jet Set Willy. And then territory means you know, bigger and better. And I intend to add stuff like multiplayer. Uh, I can already do local multiplayer, just adding an extra player with different controls. And net multiplayer, level editing, uh, custom custom graphics try and make it so that anyone can come along and make new levels for it and share it easily um, taking baby steps at the moment just uh, so far we made uh, the first level of Manic Miner which works quite well uh, I was quite impressed by how right it feels. I took some pointers of how the game works from previous remakes, some of which has source code available. One of them, uh, somebody wrote the entire of Manic Miner in JavaScript, which made it a lot easier to follow. Um, the only thing I was really having problems with was the way that the player moves in these games. And one major thing I realized reading some of the code, was that the animation of the player is reliant on, uh, purely on where it is on the screen, what its X coordinate is. So it doesn't matter how many steps you've taken and things like that, it doesn't iterate the animation as you move, it's 
just whichever uh, x, wherever on the x-axis you are, that is the uh, frame that you're going to be showing. And the same for the monsters that go back and forth. Once I realized that, everything clicked into place. All the collision stuff with the scenery, which I was having major problems with, um, is all down to the grid, the, the grid of tiles. Uh, if you don't know or can't, uh, forgotten, Jets are really a manic miner. They have rooms which are 16 by 32 grids and each tile in that grid is an 8 by 8 image. And I was having major problems before just trying to get the collision model to work because I'd so often just fall through the tiles. And once I saw how other people had done it, I realized what they were, all they were doing is going by the grid, not by individual pixels. And then everything clicked into place and I was able to make everything feel the way I wanted it to. So, so far everything seems to be working quite well. I'm enjoying doing it. I'm always thinking up things that I'm going to have to do in the future, which I just can't do right now because uh, I haven't got that far. If, uh, if I can get to a point where the game works properly and I've got all the things in place, I want to get the level editor sorted out and then I can crack on with making a whole bunch of levels and making sure that that works nicely since that's uh, a major thing. The original games always had a almost a modding community and uh, for years after the release, once the internet came along, there's lots of people who had made their own level sets and, uh, and things. I never really got into it myself because uh, often it meant you were hacking the original ROM, the original code, and obviously as it was running on an 8-bit machine, this is all a lot more complicated, a lot harder to read if you're not familiar with how it works. There's lots of uh, poking and prodding in the memory. I was inspired to do the multiplayer because of an old, um, early 2000s remake called Jet Set Wheelie Online, which is now all but disappeared from the internet. I couldn't find the original website and uh, not much information about it when I search around. I do have an old copy of it. So I was able to look at the manual and remind myself of what was available and what they did. It was uh, some quite neat game modes, including you know, just running around the levels and picking up different items and trying to get more items than the other players or doing it cooperatively. There was also some uh, some things that used uh, custom and uh, original levels which allowed you to um, basically do a race or obstacle course. Uh, there were modes which were like tag so you can run around and try and tag the other players. You'd have a, a chat box and everything, you know, the sort of things you'd have from that era multiplayer. I was sort of in thinking about possibly making like a, a hub world for the multiplayer and you go into a room or, or whatever and you, you chat 
as if it's a lobby, and then join together and decide to play a game together, and then you all spawn in a different, a different set of levels to play the game itself. Sort of like how Grand Theft Auto V is doing its online multiplayer and mini games. I was actually thinking maybe of doing the whole menu system as a mini version of the game. So you walk around various rooms to uh, set up your actual game. Uh, I suppose it could work as kind of as a tutorial. So you go into one room to um, set how many players you want to play and if you want to play online and have different rooms for different settings. That might be fun. The engine I'm using, Love2D, or Love with an umlaut over the O, I was prompted to start using it because uh, its latest version came out and it has native Android and iOS support, or mobile support. So I took the Android version and put my code into it and uh, it works really well. Really easy. Just have to add some code so that when it knows it's running on a touch device, it uh, displays some touch controls uh, to do left and right and jump, which is the only controls in the game. To make things easier, I set up some syncing software called SyncThing to automatically update the code from my development machine, my development build on my laptop, automatically to my Android phone and my Android tablet. And that works quite well as well. It's uh, really easy to edit the code, just wait a moment for it to update and then try it out again. I also discovered someone had managed to build love for the Raspberry Pi. And that also works quite nicely. So I may even, when I do finally release the game properly, have even a, a custom Raspberry Pi image just to just stick on a Raspberry Pi and start playing the game. As I'm just learning at the moment, I'm not really wanting to start using my version control, using any version control, like Git. Mainly because all my changes, all my embarrassing code will be there for people to peruse when I release it. So I am going to release it on GitHub and manage the project from there, but I'm waiting until I'm happy with how the code looks. Because it is rather embarrassing. But recently I've gotten my head around exactly how to do code in, in Lua, which is what Love uses, the, the programming language it uses is Lua. Which is, uh, for organizing Lua, all you need to know is how to do tables. All the functions can be put inside tables, which can then be called from outside, and you just layer the tables, one on top of the other, inside each other. So you can do a, a variable, um, to require uh, an outside file, and inside that file is just code that describes a table. And all your functions are specific to that object, for lack of a better word, 
is all added in there. That's very neat. My final hurdle was realizing that um, if you wanted to use some code more than once for different things, you had to not use require, but to use the file system, which physically reads the file into the code. You're basically making a copy of it rather than just requiring it like a library. So now that's what I'm doing. All the monsters just make a copy of the monster.lua file and all the functions inside I use like that. What I should do is look more at some Lua specific tutorials. I've been looking at love tutorials, but often they don't go much further than the basics of getting a simple game up and running. Then it will just go on to specific things about love. You have to, if you want to organize things properly, you have to look at the Lua. Uh, documentation, which I haven't properly looked at yet. I think when I'm, if I'm not sick and tired of the whole idea, by the time everything's completed in a satisfactory way, I will try to make a, a an original game using that, using the ideas and the engine that I developed, and perhaps that's something I could do commercially on Steam or whatever. I'll still make it open source and Creative Commons, but I'll allow some money possibly to come in. But I don't know how easy that would be or if it's worth it. The next project after that will probably be something which I'll do as a commercial idea, something purely original, which now that I know how to use the engine, I'll be able to do properly. I'm not sure which project to do. I do have a few on my mind, which I mentioned last episode. Mainly the computer security simulator, which will be sort of a cross between tower defense games and uplink and other hacker games and maybe a bit of like 4x style strategy and expansion i did hear about there's a game on kickstarter right now i think it's server tycoon something like that where you run a server farm but it's all from a transport tycoon style look. You've got, it's all isometric, but you uh, rooms full of servers and such. My idea was going to be more abstract, all from the perspective of a computer screen on a terminal. In other news, this month I'm planning to build a new PC, proper gaming rig, which I haven't had for many years. I don't have a huge amount of choice from the local retailers, and I don't really want to buy online, if I can help it. 
But I've made a, a list of what I want. It's going to be basically for my birthday, which will be in May, which is when I'll start building it. I'm sticking with an NVIDIA graphics card, which is going to be the biggest expense of the build. I think it's the 960 chipset. NVIDIA gen tend to have the best performance on, on Linux. I'm going to get an SSD. I'm not sure whether to do 8 or 16 gigs of RAM. I don't know if I really need 16. But it's not that much of an expense and the motherboard can take 16. So I might just do one stick of 8 for future upgrade. I'd like to get a case which is the old style desktop case where it's basically on its side, it's on, you have the monitor on top of it. But that doesn't seem to be a thing anymore, no one seems to make them. Or if they do, they're basically just towers which can be put on their sides. But often they are like mini ITX size shuttle devices that are small. I want to put, I've got an old hard drive which I'm going to put in there. So I do want the space and the power supply I want to be pretty good so that my graphics card has got plenty, plenty of oomph and I can add extra hard drives later for storage because I might start doing more video projects especially if I've got a good graphics card I can play games and record them at the same time so extra RAM and extra hard drive space will be all useful for that I'm not going with a mechanical keyboard because they're all far too expensive and uh, my wife would disown me if I spent 150 bucks on a keyboard so the plan is to get that all ordered in May, so i have it ready for my birthday later in the month. The only thing really holding me back from doing video stuff is at home my internet connection is woefully inadequate for uploading. It's only about 4 meg down and half a meg up, which makes YouTube practically impossible at home. I tend to have to wait until I'm at work and I can use the upload for there, which is like 10 meg up or something silly like that and obviously that also precludes doing streaming because I can't stream a video on my home connection at all. As for the podcast Doing once a month is probably doable, especially as I have stuff to talk about with me making this game. Maybe more than one game, I'm sure, eventually. I don't like recording late at night, so I'm doing it now, which is Sunday afternoon. My daughter's at her grandma's, my wife is having a snooze. They've both been sick this week. And I'm getting some chores done while it's quiet. Not that Doom 3 Java is a chore, it's just I like doing it, but it does take a lot of time. And this month, a lot of the time I've wanted to just do my coding on my game, which shows how much I'm enjoying it. But I can't code while I'm ironing, but I can podcast, so that's good. Two birds with one stone, everyone's happy. Ironing is a lot more fun when you've got something else to think about, that's why I often 
at least listen to podcasts. I did try watching YouTube videos while doing it, but that's that's how you burn yourself. Speaking of YouTube, the last Blue Driver video went up without any problems compared to the other ones. When I first had some takedown notices with the first couple of episodes. I haven't had that problem anymore. Still haven't had any comment or discussion, but I'm not expecting any really. I do this podcast as fun and practice using mixing and uh, editing and as an excuse to have a server, which the server costs are not, they're not extravagant. $10 for two months on digital ocean. So often I get myself a server, I start doing a website, I feel like I'm doing something and then I sort of leave it and don't really do anything with it for months and it becomes a waste of money. So at least this way I can tell myself I'm using it. Right, my ironing pile has reduced to practically nothing and so I shall, I shall leave you for another month or so. Maybe not that long. Hopefully next episode I will have released the code for the for Territory so that I can get some feedback on it. I'm enjoying making it. If you want to get in touch with me, it is show at bluejava.com or leave a comment on the episode post or on YouTube if that's where you're listening to me. And bluejava.com has got all the details for other ways to get in contact, my social media, etc social media for Blue Driver itself, or on Google Plus, or on Facebook. I say we, we is me, Stephen Ward, aka Orcon DK. So I hope you enjoyed this rather distracted podcast, and I shall speak to you soon. Be seeing you.